Ladies and gentlemen, drivers, gig workers, and everyone in between, welcome to This Week in Rideshare Podcast. I'm your host, Jared Hoffa. It is Friday, March 17th, 2023. And this week, we file a lawsuit against Lyft, California court favors Uber, and the best speed to save money. Legal Rideshare breaks it down. And of course, from Legal Rideshare, I'm joined by the co-founder and lead attorney, Bryant Greening. Bryant, happy Friday. Happy Friday and happy St. Patrick's Day. Yes, it is going to be a wild weekend, I'm sure. So drivers and passengers, please be safe out there because we know how it, we know how it gets, Bryant. It's going to get nuts. It, it's going to be crazy. And I, I always hear that this is a good weekend for drivers, but you know, you might want to keep a couple extra plastic bags or something in your car just in case. <laughs> yes, definitely, definitely something. Um, so let's head right into it. We're going to start with Monday. We're actually the main feature of this. And I'll, I'll, let, I'll toss this to you in a second, Bryant. But uh, on Monday, the mother of a Lyft driver who was tragically killed on the job is suing the company. Uh, ABC 20 reported on this. And according to the lawsuit, Williams' mother, Tia Williams, and Lyft supposedly knew Williams was using the app to target rideshare drivers um, but failed to take action. So, Bryant, um, if you kind of want to jump in here and explain kind of what happened and, and how we're helping. Yeah, this is a, a really tragic event. So uh, Christian Philpotts uh, was a Lyft driver. Um, he's from the Chicago area, and he was um, driving down in the Champaign-Urbania area, which is where University of Illinois is. Um, and uh, he picked up a couple, um, or I guess it was three passengers. Um, they turned out to all be minors um, that were using one of the rider's mother's accounts. Um they get in the car, uh, you know, a short time later, one of them pulls a gun allegedly and uh, allegedly shoots Christian. Um, he, Christian crashes the car and, and then he dies shortly thereafter. Um, so it's a, it's a really awful event where there's a driver who did nothing wrong. He's just doing his job um, and, you know, he's, he's targeted um, by three alleged criminals and, um, you know, now the mother and the family are looking for justice and legal rideshare is here to try to bring justice uh, to the family and try to encourage a safer rideshare community for everyone. It's just really unfortunate that we hear this more often than not. Um, and especially when you hear situations like what you said, that this is clearly not the first time this has happened. It, there, Something has to change. Um, and I know you have you have been blue in the face explaining this on TV and podcasts and radio and everywhere. Look, there has to be safety procedures in place. You know, there, there's ways to prevent this. Yeah. And this was just, this was an event where there were multiple issues. Like, first of all, these kids never should have been in the car. Um, Lyft and Uber have protocols that require that um, minors be accompanied by adults to use the app. Um, and you know, one of the reasons is that minors can act out and, you know, certainly we would expect that uh, a, somebody would, would commit a crime of this nature, but, um, this has happened before and it's happened before on the rideshare platforms and they need to take action to ensure that the correct, uh, people are using the, the app and safe people are using the app. And if there's any reason to believe that somebody shouldn't be, uh, able to request a ride, then they need to be deactivated as as customers. Um, and then also, you know, there's there's rules in place that prohibit uh, firearms, 
um, in vehicles precisely for this reason. So, you know, Christian doesn't have the ability to defend himself and the passenger has a firearm against Lyft's policy. And, you know, look what uh, what happened as a result. So um, there's just all sorts of issues. And then more broadly speaking, Lyft encourages drivers to drive by promising a safe environment. They promise drivers, and it's right on their website, that we are going to take all um, the data that we can, that we collect, we're going to use all the two-way rating system information, and we're going to provide the safest environment that we can to ensure that you are you know, able to do your job in a safe way and you're going to go home at night. And in this particular case, that didn't happen for Christian. And people need to be held responsible. Uh, and, and that's why we brought the lawsuit. Absolutely. Um, and I'm sure we'll be hearing more about this as it goes on. But um, you know, I really appreciate you kind of explaining the whole process. You, obviously, you can do a much better job than, than me or ABC20. So I appreciate it. Um, we'll head on to Tuesday. Some bad news for drivers. California court sides with Uber. Now, this is from NPR. They added, quote, app-based ride-hailing and delivery companies like Uber and Lyft can continue to treat their California drivers as independent contractors. A state appeals court ruled Monday, basically allowing the tech giants to, to bypass other state laws uh, requiring worker protections and benefits. So the, the ruling mostly upholds a voter-approved law, as we know it, called Proposition 22 or Prop 22, that said for drivers, um, for companies like Uber and Lyft are independent contractors and not entitled to benefits like paid sick leave and unemployment insurance. So again, uh, this was voted in Prop 22. Once it came into place, I think drivers realized this wasn't the best deal out there. Um, but again, Uber looks like Uber won the courts. Yeah, this was a, just another example of Uber using its power and its money and its influence and its lawyers to get what it wants. Um, Uber tricked a lot of people. And, and it wasn't just Uber. It was Uber. It was Lyft. It was some of the delivery companies. They positioned Prop 22 as a win for everyone. And really what it what it did was solidify the independent contractor status of drivers, which saves the company billions of dollars over the long run. So um, when drivers realized that they got a raw, a raw deal, uh, they moved to challenge uh, the proposition as it was passed and unfortunately once a law becomes a law it's really hard to to overturn you know there certainly are situations in which that happens but um there's almost a presumption of the validity of the law unless established otherwise and when you're starting from behind uh which the drivers were in this case this was the the predictable outcome uh so it is unfortunate for drivers and I'm, i'm hopeful that Maybe the the higher courts uh, will see that this is not a viable system for California employees and California workers, um, and maybe send it back uh, for for some uh, additional legislative thought. But um, I'm not holding my breath. Yeah, me me either. And actually, it's this kind of segue is right into Wednesday, so I'm just going to jump right into it. So uh, Wednesday, you know, Uber's biggest obstacle turns out, are the gig workers. So this is um, from Reuters. They reported, uh, quote, um, keeping workers off permanent payroll will help tamp down potential costs. They estimated that Uber, Lyft, and food delivery services like DoorDash can avoid anywhere from $20 million to $170 million 
uh, on next year's earnings, thanks to the ruling that we were just talking about. Uh, and su no, no surprise there, shares of all three companies are up about 6% in late trading. Um, and the, so again, the, just what you said, Brian, the ruling happens and it, it's just, I don't know how you make a system viable when the thing you need the most, the drivers, the workers, is, is the thing that's holding the company financially down. It's, well, th this ruling helps them, as yeah. seen by the, the stock prices going up. This is solidifying their business model. So anytime that there's a challenge to the system where there's people are kind of holding their breath and saying, is there going to be some change where drivers become employees? That is That could be catastrophic to the bottom line of the company. Um, and what's what's crazy is that these gig companies became what they are by challenging employment laws and, and fighting to have an independent contractor status where common sense really says these these workers are employees. There's um, in most uh, of the legal tests in which you're determining does the company control the worker? I, I would say that the gig companies do exert enough control for for the workers to be considered employees. But by challenging the system and classifying them as independent contractors, they save billions of dollars in uh, you know, things like insurance and uh, workers' compensation and certain benefits that would need to be provided and paid time off. And you can name it, by not providing any of those things, that money that would go to the worker goes right to the company. And that's why you're seeing numbers like 20 million in savings all the way to hundreds of millions in savings um, based on one small ruling. Yeah, I, I do think that we, we, we talk about this a lot and every year I feel like it gets closer and closer, but I, I do believe this is going to come to a head because we, you have the one side that's Uber fighting for things like the Prop 22 and winning, but then you have the other side like it's Minnesota and New York who are winning rulings on that side. There's going to have – I don't see how they're not going to eventually hit head on and there's going to have to be a decision made because it's eventually it's not going to work for anyone. Yeah, I think what it will eventually happen is that the federal government will weigh in and decide one way or the other are people that work in this quote-unquote new gig economy – what are they? Are they employees or are they independent contractors? Because to have it vary state by state is it doesn't make a ton of sense. It's you know the workers move. People from right. Florida move to Ohio and then move to California and all over. And they need to know what their rights are, what the protections are going to be, how they're going to be paid, how they're going to be taxed, all these different things. And um, we've already seen the Biden administration have show an interest in this, and I, and I don't think it's going to be long before there is some uh, ruling or some decision on on you know what are we going to do from a federal perspective. You're, I think you're right. I really do because just a couple shows ago, you know, we had looked at the statistics, and it's like sixty seven percent of people in this country are, are dabbling at the very least, in some sort of gig worker work compared to Europe, which is like, I think, at most 6%. So this is not a small group of people in this country. It's it's a large group, and it's going to keep getting bigger. So I, I agree. Yeah, I think what will end up happening, this is my, my prediction, is that there's going to be some middle ground where it probably doesn't make sense to classify these workers as uh, employees in a traditional sense because they don't have you know they don't have schedules in the same way they're they're not wearing uniforms in the same way there's reasons why i can see a court 
you know, finding against employee, but they're also not traditional independent contractors. So I think these, uh, these kind of arcane, um, traditional views of employment need to catch up with the times. Um, and there might be a third, uh, label or a third employment status that will be developed to protect and, and also classify these workers. Yeah, I think that's a good prediction. Um, let's head on to Thursday, a little bit lighter note here. Is there an optimal speed to save gas and money? We all want to do that. So this is from Wired, and the article is pretty complex, but here's kind of the breakdown here. They explain, quote, here's a dilemma. If you drive fast, it takes more gas, which costs more money. But if you drive slower, it takes less gas. So you save money, but you also sacrifice time, especially time when it comes to the gig worker world. So let's say you have a car with an EPA-listed highway mileage of 33 miles per gallon. According to this, driving at 50 miles per gallon or 50 miles per hour would give you 47.6 miles per gallon, and driving at 70 miles per hour would only get you 36.1 miles per gallon. So they go into a lot of uh, really technical time versus gas versus EPA listings. But basically, in the end, they said even with a fuel efficiency of over 45 miles per gallon, you still shouldn't drive faster than 70 if you want to save money. It's a really interesting article. If, um, if you want to really dive into the, 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 the digits and the nuts and bolts of this thing. You know, I, I thought that the conclusion was really interesting. The nuts and bolts of the article was a, a little bit over my, hell, over my head. I felt like I was reading something for a college course. Yeah, totally, absolutely. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it was, uh, I thought that it was interesting for drivers to see that uh, faster is not always better in terms of making money. Um, I think that the message actually has some safety, uh, you know, qualities to it that if we can convince people that it, it might actually be more uh, cost efficient to, to drive a little slower, um, that's something to consider. Maybe not always be in a rush to get everywhere. Um, and then obviously when you're in the gig world, um, time is money and, and money is money. So you've got to figure out how to use both your time and your your resources efficiently. So, um, you know, I don't, I don't know that I have a ton to add other than what the, uh, the story says, but I do think it's interesting that there is an optimal speed range to, to be working efficiently in this world. Yeah. And it even, it even sort of does this thing where it doesn't directly say this, but it confirms a lot of what drivers are saying about, you know, Uber and Lyft is saying, Oh, they make $30 an hour. But when you, when you look at, this is just straight, you know, black and white math here and, you know, science and physics and engineering. And you look at that, you see how quickly those numbers can fluctuate just based on things as, oh, you have more uh, gear in your truck, in your in your trunk than you would usually, or you have something on the roof or there's a wind today that there wasn't yesterday. So it's amazing just how s small things like driving slower or your luggage changes the expenses for a driver. And, and these are, these can really add up. Um, so fascinating, right. really. Well, you know, the, you know who keeps track of these things are companies like UPS and FedEx and airlines and uh, these huge companies that do transportation to make billions and billions of dollars. They care about which way the wind is blowing right. and they figure out what speeds their drivers should go to one, obey the law and two, uh, be the most efficient. So if you're running a business as a Uber or Lyft driver, which that's what you're doing, you should work out the numbers too. And I think that the article is an interesting place to start and, and educate yourself about 
what's the best way for me to use my time in, in my tools, um, my vehicle to, to make myself the most money possible. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, if you don't have it already, guys, definitely give a, um, give me a shout to Gridwise. It's a good app to, to take a look at all these things and keep track of your mileage. So definitely check them out. It's a free app. Um, let's head to Friday and in the week. As Uber rolls out record my ride features, we've been talking about that last week, some have concerns about privacy. You know, this is from Fox 8. They reported, here's how it works. Riders and drivers can add the safety feature in the app's safety toolkit section. After it's enabled, the option to record audio can be initiated by hitting start. Both parties uh, can begin or end a recording at any time during a trip, and then the feature automatically shuts off after a trip is completed. Uber says the audio files are encrypted and stored on the device of the person who enabled it. The company also says, hey, no one can listen to the audio, including Uber, the rider, or the driver while the recording is on the device. So basically, if a driver chooses to enable this feature, it sends a message to the rider, alerting them that the audio may be recorded during the trip. So the audio is encrypted. Everyone is aware that it's being recorded, um, My, which I think is great. My only two cents in this. And Brian, obviously, I want your input. Um, <laughs> we've seen security leaks in the past. I don't think this would be any different. Yeah, I, I wouldn't assume that these recordings are going to stay private. If I was a driver or a passenger, I would assume that everything that happens inside a rideshare vehicle could become public information, which is all the more um, encouragement to just act right. Don't say something that you wouldn't say in public. Don't do something that you wouldn't do in public. Um, but overall, I, I think this is a very important safety feature, and I'm all for it. I, you know, some people I think do have privacy concerns, but look, when you're in a rideshare car, you are in a public space, and you need to act like it. So, um, if you're going to do or say something that somebody may find offensive or cringeworthy or illegal or whatever other uh, negative connotation you want to throw out there, just don't do it. Um, and maybe this will encourage safety on both sides. We want safe drivers. We want safe passengers. We want safe rideshare experiences. Um, and this very common sense feature, I think, encourages that. Oh, the pros absolutely out, outweigh the cons. And I, and I think just like before we said about you know, making sure people have dash cams, it does deter a lot of those bad actors in the car, as you had brought up. And again, you bring this up all the time, and I think people are shocked by it. But just as you said, when you're in an Uber or Lyft, you know, it's a public space. It's equivalent of, I think you once mentioned it's equivalent of being on a bus. So if you're acting radical and saying crazy things, it's not going to go well for you. Um, and that's really important. And again, it, it's really important that the drivers are safe and there's and the evidence is so key, as we're seeing with these, you know, just off-the-wall deactivations. Well, now they have a chance to go, look, here's the recording. Exactly. So, so I, I don't. No, go ahead. No. So hopefully Uber takes that into consideration in the future. That's the recordings. Yeah, I, I hope so. And this can be used in combination with dash cameras. So I, I wouldn't if if I was a driver, I wouldn't think, OK, well, Uber now has this feature. I'm not going to install a dash camera. I'm going to get rid of my dash cam. Y use it all. Every piece of evidence that you can gather is helpful. This will be the audio. The dash cam may have video and audio, but if something goes wrong or if there is an accusation against you, who's going to say no to having more evidence to support you? Um, and in terms of the deactivations, I think we're heading 
down a path where there's going to be a, a change with the deactivation policies. They're starting to get a lot of bad press. Um, all the rideshare companies are. Um, I know that there's federal uh, lawmakers who are looking at this as you know some sort of labor violation or just basically fundamental unfairness. So let's start getting in the practice of collecting evidence in case you need it. And, and this feature is just going to be one more notch in your belt, you know, one one more um, bullet that you have to protect yourself and your name and your job. Yeah, very well said. And, and just like you said, drivers out there, use all the tools you have at your disposal. It will, it is, it's your safety net. It really is. Um, before we sign off, I'll just give you the last word, Bryant, and then we'll head off into St. Patty's Day weekend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Before we get into the, the holiday celebration, I, I just want to remind everybody that Legal Rideshare is always here for free consultations. Um, if you're involved in an accident, uh, injured on the job, give us a call. We can help lead you in the right direction, explain your options from both legal and insurance perspectives. Um, and if we can take on your case and help you, guide you through, uh, we'd be happy to do it. If uh, you decide that you want to handle it on your own, um, at least go at it with our advice first. Um, so there's just there's no reason not to reach out to us from the very beginning so that you can have all the information and resources that you need to protect yourself, get any medical bills paid, collect your lost wages, um, money for pain and suffering, and any other damage that you sustain. Awesome. Yes. LegalRideShare.com, guys. Easiest way to get us, get a hold of us. Um, and as I like to say, th- well, first off, thank you, Bryant. And as I like to say, that is the end of this week in Rideshare. See you next week.